thank you for joining us today for another episode of Canada Meets Finance. I am Mark Kawan Shikruna, a senior associate within the Investment Services and Funds team at Ganado Advocates. For today's session, we are glad to have with us here today Mr. Kenneth Farruja in his capacity as the chairperson of the Malta Asset Servicing Association. Kenneth himself has extensive experience and knowledge within the financial service industry here in Malta and also sits on the Board of Governors of Finance Malta. Welcome, Kenneth. Thank you very much, and I'm really, truly delighted to be here with you today. Thanks. So let's start off um, uh, with a a first question for our listeners. Uh, May you please just tell us how the Malta Asset Service Association was established, I believe, back in 2003, and the the journey since then, and what are the the principal objectives of, of the association? So the roots of the industry or its genesis goes back um, to actually to 1995. Um, at the time, Malta had just enacted a, a suite of regulatory frameworks uh, around the financial services industry, and clearly asset management was, was one of them. Um, at that time, we saw a number of banks in Malta setting up their asset management um, operations, uh, predominantly in the retail space targeting the domestic, the domestic uh, market. And that evolved nicely over the years um, to a degree that there was a, a cluster of operators in this particular space. Uh, I remember at that time, the banks used to do both the, the, the asset management and the, and the fund servicing side, all the back office operations. That's right. Then once this cluster formation started taking more shape, and to a degree we started seeing um, international operators, a very small trickle, uh, setting up funds in, in, in Malta. The two big banks um, decided that they would be better representing the interests of this industry by setting up an association. And actually, at the time, the uh, the two banks gave birth to the Malta Funds Industry Association. So it was more of a product-led association representing the interests of you know the stakeholders and the funds and the funds space. Obviously, opposed joining the EU uh, in two thousand and four. And Malta came on the spotlight as an EU jurisdiction. And since then, you know, we saw a significant degree of traction in not only developing the domestic funds business, but more so we saw increased operators, asset management operators, um, some of them relocating to Malta and setting up business here, but uh, others really setting up funds in Malta, so based abroad and setting up investment funds in Malta. During that period, um, shortly after membership, uh, we saw as well a number of fund administrators setting up in Malta. So we saw the evolution of the asset servicing sector from just being focused on management, moving into the asset servicing and then moving into custody and, and prime brokerage, predominantly serviced by firms abroad. And this is then what morphed the Funds Industry Association into an asset servicing association. I see. Because we had other stakeholders um, that were performing different um, service offerings to the industry that equally needed to be represented. And so that's how the being, uh, that's how the multi-asset servicing association um, um, came into being um, uh, in way back in 2003. And since then, we've never looked back um, uh, to a degree that we even applied to become part of a pharma which is sort of the European Fund and Asset Management Association, and Mars is represented there, and I sit on the board of directors of a farm as well. So to give it that European recognition as well as a jurisdiction. Thank you. Okay, very good. Um, so you've, you've said that we've come a long way now, from 1995, 
and we've we've reached uh, we've, we've we've come to where we are today and we can see that the growth of the asset management space itself can be attributed to a lot of initiatives which have been taken which have taken place over the years you know as you mentioned we've seen asset managers we've seen banks we've seen funds we've seen administrators everyone either choosing to set up shop in the first place here in Malta or else you know moving their their domiciliation here in Malta now Malta itself today do you think it's still a credible alternative to other European jurisdictions? I mean, we hear a lot about Dublin, Luxembourg, Frankfurt. What does Malta have to offer? I wouldn't say it's an alternative. Um, Malta was always positioned as complementing existing financial services jurisdictions. I mean, predominantly, if you look at Luxembourg, it's predominantly a jurisdiction for usage. Exactly. If you look at if you look at Dublin. Uh, you know, Ireland is predominantly a jurisdiction for hedge funds, you know. And Malta, I think, driven predominantly by innovation, particularly when we launched the professional investor fund regime, which brought to the market a degree of flexibility in the ability to structure a fund which would have a lot of flexibility in investing in diverse, uh, broad range of assets. And I think that caught the attraction of international operators Predominantly, I say complementing because Malta's competitive cost base made it uh, made it possible for the smaller players in the marketplace, which were being somewhat squeezed out of the likes of Luxembourg and Ireland, to find a suitable jurisdiction which fit fits the size of their operation and de- enable them to launch products. So this is why I feel that Malta really complemented the likes of. Luxembourg and Ireland because it was able to attract a niche of operators that would not have made it possible to make a product commercially viable in these jurisdictions because of the high associated costs in setting up in these jurisdictions. And what about looking forward now? I mean, we hear a lot about fintech, blockchain, you know, the financial service industry itself is approaching, I would say, a new digital frontier. What should Malta be focusing on here to to remain competitive? I mean, what are our strengths? As in, can we can we compete? No, absolutely. I feel that Malta has a niche strategic positioning to to focus on, in my view. So, uh, you know, this was discussed very recently in the advisory council that was set up, um, you know, by the Malta Financial Services Authority, uh, which saw the participation of the association and its contribution. And apart from that, even as an association, we did discuss sort of what would, should be our focus. Because sometimes, you know, after so many years, I think it's, it's one should take a step back and revisit a bit the positioning of the jurisdiction vis-a-vis what's happening in the international in the international markets, particularly within a European context. So I think Malta still has a role to play in the, in the startup space for those fund managers that you know, are seeking to set up a fund in the jurisdiction. We have, in my view, a comprehensive suite of products that we can offer the marketplace, particularly in the PIF space. Uh, we're seeing a lot of traction in the notified AFE space. So there's we're seeing that um, sort of, you know, shifting towards that. I see also the opportunity to develop bespoke products, you know, fitting the scenarios that, um, you know, we're, we're, we're living uh, in today. And particularly um, given the COVID environment, it has had an impact on the operations of the unregulated sector, mm-hmm. uh, which I think will give rise to the opportunity for loan funds 
to really buy out some of the MPLs, the non-performing loans of the banks, because they will have increasingly an, an increased number of that. Um, so there are these niche opportunities which we can really tap. As well, I think Malta, uh, you know, should really focus on the venture capital space and the private equity space. So this is a niche arena that I think we have the right size and we need to use that size to our advantage by being agile to develop bespoke products for this particular marketplace. So this is, I think, the repositioning of the industry and uh, not being there for all the usage and all the PIFs. If they come along, yes, so be it. But our focus should be on these niche areas where mm -hmm. we can carve out a market in that particular space. Thanks, Kenneth. And, and you mentioned, uh, I'm using this as an example, you mentioned the notified AIF, which I think is a good example of how how more does a jurisdiction can adapt? Because, you know, as our listeners may be aware, the, the notified day for itself um, was first open to a particular investment strategy. But then with time, you know, as the industry spoke to the regulator, exactly. we opened up the notified AIF to, for example, real estate, exactly. you know, private equity. So, exactly. and from here, I'll move on to another question. So what, what do you think about the importance of concerted action between the industry and the Maltese authorities? I mean, is it important to advancing Malta's appeal as a jurisdiction? How, how should we, we be working together? They are integral components in the articulation of Malta's strategic positioning. I mean, clearly, I consider, you know, government as policy maker and the regulator, uh, you know, as enablers to the industry. And clearly, this should reflect the risk appetite as well of the, of the national regulator. Right, because that is very, very important in my view. But I think the industry has an important role to play, uh, not a passive role to play, in terms of waiting for the regulator to come up with the regulatory framework and then trying to leverage that abroad, but really being active in shaping that regulatory framework to meet the opportunities that the industry is in touch with. I'm not saying that regulators are disconnected from the industry, but clearly industry actors and industry operators are more in touch and have the, you know, the finger on the pulse of where the business is coming from, where they, they are seeing opportunities. And this is where I see the close collaboration of the regulator and the industry. Um, obviously, there's a, a regulatory divide, right? Because the regulator is overseeing the operations of the industry. So one has to be to ensure that, uh, you know, the roles and responsibilities are not, are not convoluted with each other. But I feel that the industry has a, an active role to play in shaping the regulatory um, framework to enable these opportunities to, to be crystallized. Very good. So, so as Kenneth has told us, it is important, right, that there is dialogue between both the industry and the regulator. Um, and we also spoke a bit about marketing, promotion. I mean, we're living in, let's say, different times. I mean, trying to get over the pandemic, you know, I mean, we're we're attending webinars again and conferences abroad. Exactly. Thank God. Um, how do you think we should be promoting Malta now? You know, I mean, both, let's say, in Malta to people here, to, to service providers here and outside Malta when we attend these these conferences again. How, how should we be Look, focusing? Our, our, our marketing strategy should revolve around two key arenas, in my view. There should be a, a, an asset management focus. So there should be a focus on asset managers that would be based here in Malta. I think Malta is an excellent jurisdiction 
for asset managers to base themselves here. Um, I think the jurisdiction from a lifestyle point of view is, is enviable when compared to other jurisdictions, particularly, if I may, <laughs> considering the environment in Luxembourg and, and Ireland with respect to these jurisdictions. Mm-hmm. Uh, but more than that, I think we have, I believe we have a very strong comprehensive legal and regulatory framework that fits the requirements and expectations of asset managers in, in, in Malta. And I say that because asset managers are pivotal even in setting up fund structures. So clearly, if you if we are able to attract them here, they are more likely to set up funds in Malta rather than choosing other jurisdictions. Yes, and we've seen that ourselves. So. And we've seen that. If you look at, I remember, I was involved in the setting up of the first fund management company in Malta way back in 1995. And we were the only player, you know, and we really we were yearning to see other operators set up shop in Malta. And, and then we saw another bank coming in with its asset management operator. And then gradually, you know, we saw international operators setting up here. And today we have a sizable um, cohort of, of asset managers here. The, the, so asset managers, I think, should be our focus, you know, really positioning Malta as a jurisdiction for asset managers. Then we should have a product focus. You know, and as I said earlier, you know, positioning Malt as a jurisdiction for private equity and venture capital fund. Fintech is another area which I believe we've done a lot on the blockchain space. We were first movers with regulations, but I think I I believe we mispositioned a bit our pitch in terms of we positioned these developments around virtual financial assets. And I think it was a bit too early, mm-hmm. even for the European jurisdictions. And we're seeing now in Europe that they're intending to uh, regulate Mika. virtual <laughs> virtual financial assets. So uh, I think we're a, we're a bit ahead of time. But I think we, from a blockchain perspective, you know, we really moved fast. And I think there is an opportunity to merge the regulation around blockchain, you know, and attract operators that want to position themselves in that particular space in Malta. So it's all about niche positioning. You know, as I said, our jurisdiction doesn't have the, uh, the, the bandwidth, let's put it, to cater for all typologies. You know, I think focus will sustain the growth of the industry going forward. To continue on that, I guess, I mean, once we are trying to attract certain service providers here, there should also be a bit of a, a focus on the individuals, right, who, who are present here. I mean... The financial service industry in Malta over the years has benefited from a reliable workforce, right, and a steady stream of qualified individuals. But in certain instances, we have seen that there have been certain gaps, you know. So, for example, I don't know, if you were to take risk management, we've we've seen certain gaps. So, in your view, should tertiary institutions, I don't know, like, like University of Malta, and maybe government initiatives be focusing on new specific areas or, or particular skill sets. I mean, can more be done? You're right. It's not about just trying to focus on the industry sector, but ensuring that there is a supporting ecosystem around that, right? Starting from the banking side in terms of the resourcing side, you know, ensuring that there is that flow. Nonetheless, let's be realistic. It's not that we will start producing portfolio managers or financial advisors or GRC specialists overnight, right? So we need to make Malt attractive as well to foreigners that are specialists in that area and, you know, enable them to to come to Malt and make, make packages attractive. We have the highly qualified persons rules, as you know which are very attractive from, from the fiscal dimension in terms of the fiscal situation of those that would want to move to Malta. And I think we should widen that. And we should widen that tactically to address those resource gaps 
that we have in the economy beyond financial services. Um, I think this is how we are, we are able to attract subject matter experts in those fields where we don't have the bandwidth or the capacity to supply. Because in Malta, given the size, we do have a mismatch. And even in this pandemic environment, you know, I think if you speak to operators in the market, you know, we're still struggling to recruit uh, the required bandwidth, the required resource headcount uh, that has skills in particular areas. And that's the reality. And we've actually, we've, we've sometimes we've actually lost persons because of the pandemic. They've actually returned home. Exactly. Exactly. You know, so so people have left as well. Okay, so maybe I can turn to to Marza now. I mean, how how are you? Ta- do you tackle this? Do you speak about this? We we look. We try to address the domestic um, requirements. So we've we we did a program with the Institute of Financial Services. Um, we we um, organized a diploma in the fund administration space. Because I remember there were really challenges with the fund administrators in Malta to find resources to service funds that were being um, registered in, in Malta. We do deliver lectures at, at um, presentations rather than lectures at the University of Malta to, you know, fourth and fifth year students to try to entice them uh, locally. I know some companies are doing internships as well. I don't think it's structured, um, albeit the MFSA some years back did take the initiative to try to make arrangements for placements of university students and MCAS students with with local operators. Mm-hmm. But I think it should be more hard-coded uh, in the way we do things. And Maza has not taken an active, a very active role in that space. We, we are more involved on the on the legal and regulatory front with the authority and, uh, you know, making submissions on behalf of the operators, of our members, um, contributing to uh, discussion papers that are issued by the by the authority. So we have really focused along that, that, that front. But yes, there are those challenges, and I think there is scope as well, even for the University of Malta, to really understand the gaps that there are in the, in the, in the industry. And they, show, they ensure that they have the right programs, training programs with their certificates or degrees, you know, that cater to address these gaps because there are these inherent gaps in the industry, particularly in the GRC space. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I were to just give an example, I mean, from my background, when it comes to financial services, I mean, our course was was limited. I mean, let's just say that it was limited in the sense that Everything I learned, I learned it at the office, you know. So while we did touch up on slightly certain subjects, you know, such as banking, insurance, I don't think there was enough focus. So, you know, so that could be a starting point. You're right. There there should be, you know, government initiatives as well, you know, where we, we do continue to promote the area. Um, and again, yes, a focus on attracting possibly persons from overseas because the jurisdiction has... A lot to offer, right? I mean, when people travel here, I mean, even when clients come over for for their their quarterly board meetings, they love it here, you know. So, it's maybe something also we need to talk about once once we're at those conferences overseas. Yes. Um, no, I mean you, you're spot on. I mean, intrinsically, you know, I always believe that the attractiveness of of any jurisdiction or sector is very much dependent on its value proposition. Right. And the value proposition transcends from the employment opportunity. I mean, it transcends that. That's a given. Right. There's an employment opportunity. You go for it. But then it's the whole package. You know, even for companies coming here, you know, they need to find office space. They need to register with the income tax. They need to register with VAT. We need a one stop shop 
right? Mm -hmm. We can't have these operators going to the different departments, you know, to ensure that they are adherent to the local regulations. And I think this is the agility with which we should be moving, right? Because we should make it very easy for a company coming here, for their employees to find residence. You know, we need to facilitate and give the red carpet, you know, to these sign pop operators, because this is a, a very important sector for the economy, mm -hmm. right? Asset management is a very important sector. It's not taxing on the resource side, like manufacturing, for example. And, you know, the revenues associated with this business are traditionally quite high. And you, you're moving on to an interesting subject now. So we're talking a bit about doing business here in Malta, right? I mean, it's a bit of a trend, and we've seen this in many jurisdictions, not just here in Malta, where when when the world or when a jurisdiction passes through a bit of a crisis, and we saw it back in 2008 with the Lehman Brothers, we saw it in Europe around 2011, you know, with the sovereign wealth crisis, we've seen it again with covid when there is crisis, we tend to over-regulate, right? So we tend to solve problems by introducing more and more legislation, thinking that this is the best way forward. And this does come at a significant cost. You know, I mean, as an example, um, when MIFID II came into force, you know, everyone had quite a shock because there were a number of policies and procedures that had to be updated. Everyone had to look at their operational arrangements again. So it came at a significant cost. And I think as well from what I'm getting from you um, that maybe Malta and, and, I don't know, service operators here could actually benefit from a reduction in bureaucracy, right? And certain, let's say, streamlined procedures in certain areas. Do you agree? As in, what are your thoughts? I come from the banking sector, so I cannot agree <laughs> more with that because the, the, the extent of um, regulation of the banking sector is, is really taxing, I think, for all operators. Uh, yes, I think, as I said, we sometimes don't use the size of the jurisdiction to our advantage in terms of agility. I mean, we know you speak with operators in the space that we have reports that have to be sent to the Malta Business Registry, reports that have to be sent to the MFSA, reports that have to be to the central bank. And I think, you know, it's really right to say, OK, how can we facilitate these requirements? Because I think these are requirements and we need to. But how do we facilitate that using technology to do so? Why do we need to keep sending repeat reports to one authority, then the other, then the other, rather than a centralized repository, which then feeds into the requirements of the respective authorities? Why don't you use blockchain to do that for KYC and due diligence? Right. I mean, think about an asset management company coming to Malta, right? And wanting to uh, seek a license to operate here, right? So they have to go to the regulator and they submit their KYC and due diligence. Then they would appoint a law firm and they would need to be onboarded as well. They would need to appoint an audit firm. They would need to go to a bank, right? So imagine the repeat instances where the same information can be placed on the blockchain, a permissioned one, which will allow all the stakeholders that would require that information to have access to it, you know, with a degree of ease, you know. And I think this is where we need to be a bit creative on how to make this journey with less friction for the customer, right? Because they want to focus on what they're good at, asset management or asset servicing, simply put. Exactly, exactly. I mean, even uh, certain things, I mean, like moving away from paper and original signatures, I, you know, I think it's about time that that we do take a look at these matters because, as you're saying, I mean, thinking about it, if you have an asset manager wanting to set up shop here in Malta, 
they have to go through this process each and every time, you know, and even when it comes to 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 other processes, I mean, I don't know, setting up their office, setting up their bank accounts, they get caught up, you know, so I agree with you. We need to to find a way to somehow focus and, and make this uh, into a, a, a much, you know, more streamlined process. And again, here I turn to to a fund regime which is working well in Malta, the notified EIF, where the MFSA took an approach to to actually rely on the asset manager, you know, for most of the due diligence processes. And it could just, the manager actually signs off and we have a regime which is working. You know, in fact, most of our fund structures here in Malta are now, the new ones at least, are, are notified AFES. And maybe I could close off here. Um, what what do you think, at least when it comes to fund structures, is there something that that you have in mind, something which maybe we could replicate for another type of fund regime here in Malta, maybe to follow the the notified AF regime? Is is there something where where we could help ourselves? Yes, no, undoubtedly we have the the, the PIF regime, and sort of you know we had recommended that we go down the notified route as well with the PIF regime and come up with a notified PIF. You know, mm-hmm. one could extend that to the notified usage as well, because intrinsically the same principles apply. If the regulator is comfortable with the sign of being provided, right, it should apply it across the board. You know, because obviously this is not a risk-based um, 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 decision. I mean, these are fun products aimed at the marketplace. So intrinsically, why don't we go down the notified PIF and the notified usage, in my view? As well, I think when it comes to the partnership regime, uh, you know, I think there are some changes that need to be undertaken to reflect, you know, the realities and the needs of venture capital and private equity funds. So again, here we can have, in my view, quite an attractive regime for this particular uh, space. I think the industry is pushing a lot, um, but clearly the regulatory agenda is also high. So I do empathize to a degree with the national competent authorities because they are going through um, the, the workload as the industry is in the same manner. You know, because sometimes we complain about regulations, but equally national competent authorities are burdened with the regulations that be, are being bestowed on them, you know, by the European Union and the Commission. But I think those would be the areas I would focus on. It's really product and facilitating the journey for operators to come here to Malta. Thank you so much, Kenneth, for your time here. I mean, we've spoken about uh, a lot of things, you know. I mean, we spoke about Malta as a jurisdiction, how the regulator and the industry should be working hand in hand, what we should be focusing on when we're promoting Malta as a jurisdiction, that human capital is also essential to facilitate this and also about you know certain new initiatives which could continue to put Malta on the on the map. So so thank you so much for your time and, and thank you everybody for, for listening in.